The FedLife Podcast is presented by Serving Those Who Serve, a fiduciary fee-based financial planning firm serving federal government employees and retirees all over the country. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be taken as financial advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. The opinions expressed by our hosts are their own and do not reflect the views, policies, or position of either Raymond James or Serving Those Who Serve. Episode of the FedLife Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dan Seip. Additionally, I'm the branch manager here at Serving Those Who Serve and Lee Seip and Associates. And I will begin, as I always do, by saying thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. And also thank you for your service to the government, to the country, to me, to everyone. You do not hear that enough. You will always hear it here. The other thing you always hear with me on FedLife is the guru, Ed Zerndorfer. He is here with us once again as part of our ongoing mission to reach, teach, and serve you. Uh, If you're a regular listener, you know what's coming next. At the outside, I need to say the opinions of our guest, Ed Zerndorfer, are not the opinions of Raymond James or Serving Those Serve, and that this podcast is intended for information only and is not meant to be taken as advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. If you don't have a personal advisor, hit us up at Serving Those Serve. That's swserve.com, and we will help you any way we can. As you know, with these episodes, we try and cover Ed's articles that appear in the Fed Zone, which you can find at fedhyphenzone.com. And in this one, we are covering required minimum distributions, RMDs, for IRAs and TSP, and specifically that we've only got now about two months left in our RMD planning. So, Ed, let's kick us off. Let's not assume people know exactly what we're talking about. General definition on an RMD, and then we'll jump in. Okay, Dan. An RMD stands for Required Minimum Distribution. If an individual owns or is a participant in a qualified retirement plan, which includes a 401k plan, a 403b plan, a 457 plan, or the TSP. The TSP, they say, is not a qualified retirement plan, but it is. It follows all the rules of qualified retirement plans. So if you're a participant in one of those plans, and or you are you have a traditional IRA account, you know, all these years you've been contributing to an IRA, well, as long as you're under a certain age, you're not required to take any money out of these accounts. Now, true with a qualified retirement plan, you retire from a company, and you have to be a you have to be a certain minimum age of fifty five for qualified retirement plans to start taking money out of the retirement plan without being subject to a penalty. But when you reach age fifty five, normally with a qualified retirement plan, including the TSP, if you re- you're retired, then you're allowed to make penalty free withdrawals from the TSP four hundred one k plan. You don't have to; you're not required to, but you can. With a traditional right. IRA, the magic age is 59 and a half. Once again, when you reach 59 and a half, you're not required to take money out of the IRA. You can leave it. And as long as you leave it in the account, the money will grow tax deferred. But when you reach a certain age, and that age is called the required beginning date, what is the required beginning date? Over the years, it's changed. Um, it used to be 70 and a half for certain people, that's 72. And now we're all the way up to age 73. And then there's also age 75. Now, what your required beginning date is depends on what year you're born. So if you're born anytime after January 1st, 1951, your required beginning date is April 1st, following year that you turn 73. If you're born after December 31st, 1959, 
the required beginning date is April 1st, following the year that you turn 75. But here's the point. Gotcha. When you reach that required beginning date, then you are, have to take out, you are required to take out a minimum from your account, from your uh, retirement account or our traditional IRA. It's called the required, required, the, the required minimum distribution. It's the minimum amount you have to take out in order to not be subject to what's called an excess accumulation penalty. The IRS has this penalty. Until recent years, it's been a nasty penalty. 50%. If you had to take out the required R&D or R&D, let's say it's $10,000, the IRS is going to impose a penalty of $5,000. That's 50% of what you were supposed to take out, which you did. So you want to make sure you take out your R&D. And I know that talking to clients, I have a tax practice, and you know, and I remind them that you know when they reach that required the required beginning date, they have to take out a certain amount, and their retirement plan administrator, their IRA custodian, will tell them what that amount is. In most cases, they get very upset. They get very upset, saying, "What? The government's forcing me to take money out of my account?" Well, this is not. Don't look at it as a penalty. I have some clients tell me, oh, look, the government's stealing my money. They're not stealing your money. All the government's saying, all the, all the IRS is saying is, all these years, we've been giving you tax-deferred growth in your accounts. All we're asking is, when you reach this age, take out a minimum, take out the money, pay the taxes due, federal and or state, and then state. And then with the rest of it, enjoy the money. Sure. Spend it. Enjoy it. Because after all, you've reached the age now where you have every right to do so. You've you, you saved well. Now enjoy yourself and spend the money. If you want to reinvest it, fine. You're allowed to do sure. it in a non-retirement account, of course. But it's not a penalty. Right. Gotcha. And, Ed, you know, following your article, you, you mentioned also that we've had two updates to those laws with the Secure Act, the Secure 2.0, which which moved these dates around. Because I know forever, it was 70 and a half. Yes. Yeah, 70 and a half was the required beginning date. So touch briefly on which act changed what. Okay. So the Secure Act 1.0, they call it the Secure Act, but it's really Secure Act 1.0, which was passed in, in December 2019, and it became effective January 1st, 2020, changed the required beginning date from as follows. If you, if an individual was born before July 1st, 1949, or before July 1st, 1949, then the required beginning date was April 1st, following the year they turned 70 and a half. When Secure Act 1.0 was passed, it changed the required beginning date as follows. For those individuals born after June the 30th, 1949, the required beginning date is April 1st, following year they turned 72. Gotcha. Okay, so the cutoff date was July 1st, 1949. Now, Secure Act 2.0 passed in Dece late December 2022. It became effective January 1st, 2023. Further changed the required beginning as follows. If you were born after uh, December 31st, 1949, and before January 1st, 1960, your required beginning date was April 1st, following the year that you turned 70, um, 73. If you were born any time after 
December 31st, 1959. Your required beginning date was April 1st, following the year that you turned 75. So we have we have a, a bunch of dates here. So I was born on January 17th, 1951. So I just got in there. Otherwise, I would have gotcha. had to take my first required my my, my RMD for my IRAs, for that matter, TSB this year in 2000 in 2023. But I just got under under the wire. Gotcha. And the article also points out that Roth IRAs and Roth TSPs are not subject to RMDs. But you also indicate that there can be some confusion around beneficiary IRAs as a result of the rule changes. Yes. Let me just add one more thing, Dan. Sure. It comes to the, to, comes to the TSP. If you are a DSP participant and you still are in federal service and you've reached your required beginning date, you're still in federal service, you are not subject to the RMD. The RMD rules apply when it comes to qualified retirement plans, to individuals who have retired from the company, from the company, or in this case, the federal government. Actually, there's a slight variation that, and, and if you are an owner of a company, you know, more than a 5% owner of a company, and you've reached your required beginning date, yeah, you've got to take your RMD. They don't make any exceptions for owners of companies, but that's not the case. Sure. With TSP. We're talking about the TSP here. So if you're still in federal service and you've and you've reached your required beginning date, not only can you contribute to the TSP, but you don't have to take any money out of it. But that, but when you retire, then if you've passed your required beginning date, then you got to take your first RMD from the TSP no later than April first, following year that you retire. Retire. Gotcha. But that's not the case if a TSP participant who has reached his or her R beginning date has a traditional IRA. That traditional IRA that they own is going to be straight to RMD, whether they are retired from federal service or not. So that's something that, that those t- those federal employees who've reached the required beginning date may want to keep in sure. mind. Just one bit of advice I have for them. If they don't want to take that traditional IRA or if you are still in federal service, let's say you're getting close to your required beginning date, you're still in federal service and you're going to work past your required beginning date, and you really don't want to take that, that RMD from that traditional IRA, one thing you could do is to transfer to a direct rollover or direct transfer of that traditional IRA into your traditional TSP account. And once it is a traditional DSP account, then you won't have to worry about taking a traditional IRA. You have to, you would have to transfer the entire thing. It's just a suggestion. Gotcha. And great tips on that, Ed. But getting back to the article, yes, uh, you did indicate there's some confusion around beneficiary IRAs. So where somebody has inherited an IRA from somebody else, yes, different set of rules than the ones yes. that they funded themselves, right? And I've got to tell you, Dan, there's a lot of confusion on this. There is so much confusion on this. And that's why anybody listening today, or if you want to spread the word, please talk to a qualified advisor who understands all the R&D rules. They are very complex. And they're changing all the time. That's one of the problems. The IRS over the last couple of years has issued so many notices and letter rulings and things like that make it even worse. We try to keep up in the Fed zone with all the changes. All right. Sure. Now, yep. As far as as far as beneficiaries, if you are a beneficiary of a traditional IRA, 
depending on when you received, when you inherited that portion of that electrician IRA, will determine whether you have to take an RMD for 2023. IRS came out of the world because of this, all this confusion. IRS ruled that anybody who, who um, inherited a traditional IRA um, any time after December 31st, 2019, would normally have to take an RMD because the inherited IRAs, it's called an inherited IRA, are subject to RMD. You, don't, you can't wait to your required beginning date. You have to start taking money out of that inherited IRA. First one is due by December 31st, following the year that you inherited the IRA, or I should say when the IRA overdied. But the IRS, in a couple of notices this year, said that anyone who did not take an inherited IRA RMD in 2021, 2022, and 2023 does not have to take an um, inherited IRA RMD for those three years. Those three years. Okay. Now, there are some other exceptions, though. Well, I should say exceptions. Well, let me follow up. There are exceptions. Anything that's associated with Roth, Roth. Roth has no RMD rules, okay? RMD rules, okay? Like the Roth TSP, no RMD rules. And that's going to change. But getting back to the inherited IRAs, inherited IRAs, that if someone, if an individual inherited an IRA, an IRA, the IRA owner died before January 1st, 2020, and they elected to, to, to take their inherited IRA to take out distributions over their life expectancy. That was an option there. Secure Act 1.0, uh, 1 by the way, did away with that for certain, for certain beneficiaries. I'll get to that here in a moment. But anybody who inherited um, an IRA, a traditional IRA from an account, from a, from the IRA, from an IRA owner who died before January 1st, 2021. And they're elected life, uh, taking payments over life expectancy. That means they got to take an RMD every year, including this year. So if you have inherited an IRA from a relative, parent, sibling, whoever, who died before January 1st, 2019, uh, 2020 rather, then you must take your RMD every year, including this year. No exception. No exception. Under Secure Act 2.0 uh, was created, uh, Secure Act 1.0 again, created a certain classes of beneficiaries. One of them are, is called an eligible designated beneficiary. Who does that include? It includes a spouse. It includes a beneficiary who is, more, who is not more than 10 years younger than the IRA owner. Those individuals have the option have the option of when they inherit an IRA from, from someone who died after December 31st, 2019, that they still have the option of taking their distributions. And they have to make, they are subject to RMD, but they can have that their RMD based on taking them, receiving the inherited IRA over their life expectancy. They don't have to take it out within 10 years, like non-eligible designations. They too are subject to RD 
for 2023. They got to take out everyone. There are no exceptions. You know, the IRS gotcha. says those individuals, these so-called eligible designated beneficiaries, EDBs, must take their 2023 RMD no later than December 31st, 2023. Gotcha. One of the things I love about your article, Ed, is that, is that many times you're bringing up things that, that wouldn't necessarily cross the paths of our feds. And you're absolutely doing this here where you talk about qualified charitable distributions or QCDs. Tell us about that. Yes. A qualified charitable distribution is a way for an individual who owns a traditional IRA account to make a, a withdrawal from that traditional IRA. That, that, and and money, going for, money coming out of the IRA goes to a qualified charity. Qualified charity. Now, what is the benefit? The benefit is that that withdrawal is not going to be included in income, in one's adjusted gross income. Do they get a charitable deduction? No, they do not get a charitable deduction. But it's a way of decreasing the size of their IRA because if they have reached their required beginning date and they are subject to an RMD with that your style, then that QCD, that qualified charitable uh, distribution, will count towards their RMD. So if they have an RMD of $10,000 and they tell their IRA, their traditional IRA custodian, please make a $10,000 distribution and give it to my favorite, my, my church, my church, my synagogue, my mosque, okay, whatever charitable organization. Then that $10,000 donation to the charity that's coming to charity will count as an RMD. Therefore, that again, that person does not, the individual does not have to take out more money to satisfy their actual RMD because that counts. Now, they, again, they can't get a, they cannot get a deduction. They cannot get a deduction, a charitable distribution, but it really will save them that money included in income. Because remember, for traditional IRA, it counts as income. It counts as that, you think, a distribution. And it could push them to a higher tax bracket. If they're enrolled in Medicare Part B, enrolled Medicare Part B, the amount of their premiums that they paid monthly depends on their income. And if their income is less, they may end up paying less for Medicare Part B. So there's a lot of positive things associated with QCDs. So, so, so our listeners know that in order to make a QCD, you have to be at least age 70 and a half. And there is a dollar limitation as far as how much you can give uh, overall. You can make to give make as many QCDs as you want, I'll tell you, to various organizations, but there's an annual limit of $100,000. That's per individual. Gotcha. So a couple, both who have reached 70 and a half, could give away as much as $200,000. Sure. That's good to know. You round out the article with a discussion of Roth conversions and how that interplays with required minimum distributions. So what do our folks need to know here? Okay, a couple things about Roth IRA. Oh, before I forget, I just want to say one more thing about the QCD data. That if sure. you're going to make a QCD for this year, you're eligible, you're over seven and a half. The deadline is December 31st, 2023. But don't wait till December 31st to do that because you have to notify the charity. The charity, you have to know your notify your IRA custodian that you want to make a QCD. It may take a few days to get paperwork through. And by IRS rules, 
that QCD has to be made no later than December 31st. So you got to give them some time to get that and receive by the charity. So you got to give them a little time, you know, your IRA custodian time to get everything in motion to, to really affect the QC day. Yes. Thank you for that, Ed. On behalf of advisors everywhere, <laughs> thank you for that. Because uh, sooner is way better than later. On that. Yeah, I can just see, Dan, somebody calls you up on December 31st in the morning. Dan, I, this needs to be done like yesterday. It really has to be. I'm sorry I called you late, but I know you could take care of it. Please make my QCD by midnight tonight. Uh, yeah. Um, I can just see that happen. <laughs> you just wrecked my New Year's Eve there, Ed. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, and this year I looked at the calendar, December 31st is a Sunday, so I don't think you'll be, you'll, you'll be in the office. So let's, let's, make it, let's make a deadline of maybe at least December the 27th to give you a little time. Yeah. Now, now for me, you know, I like thinking about QCDs around the time that you might be, I don't know, giving thanks. When might everybody be giving thanks in the United States of America? Oh, wait, <laughs> you know, Thanksgiving. That's that, a great time to, to make right. your QCD right. decision. November 23rd. Okay. Okay. So let's it. get back on track and talk All about right, this. Let's, Roth let's talk about Roth IRA convergence. There is a lot to be said about converting a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. We just talked about the fact that traditional IRAs are subject to RMDs. One of the beauties of the Roth IRA, one of the beauties is the fact that a Roth IRA is not subject to RMD. You can keep a, a Roth IRA, an individual can keep a Roth IRA as long as he or she wants, and knowing that when they pull money out of the Roth IRA, they don't have to pay any federal or state taxes. And if the person happens to be pass away, they can bequest their Roth IRA to their spouse, and the same thing is true. So the Roth IRA has a lot of good things associated with it. Now, the problem is that many individuals, because their income is too high, and this includes federal employees and federal retirees, they're not allowed to contribute to a Roth IRA because Roth IRAs every year have um, adjusted gross income limitations as far as contributions. These individuals who are subject to the, who cannot make these Roth IRA contributions, I mean, that should be the worst problem, having too much income. So what is the alternative to contributing to a Roth IRA? Converting a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA. And anybody can do that. There are no inclinations. The problem is, Dan, that you have to pay tax on what you're converting. And the process of converting a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, it can be a little complex, but what, what individuals have to keep in mind that there are, in my opinion, certain requirements, right? Certain requirements that the person must, must fulfill in order to do this. Number one, they have to have enough money set aside in liquid assets to pay the taxes due, to pay the taxes due. That's number one. Because a Roth IRA conversion, a traditional IRA converted to a Roth IRA is a taxable transaction. And second requirement is talking about taxes. You don't want to convert so much of a traditional IRA any one year to have to pay more taxes. You don't want to be pushed into what's called an upper, a, a higher federal, and in some cases, state marginal tax bracket. So you should be working with a qualified advisor who understands this, who understands the tax consequences. Now, the good news is this, 
that because right now we are in a low individual tax environment, individual marginal tax rates are the lowest now. They've been this way ever since the passage of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, in which individual tax rates in this country are the lowest they've ever been. Here's the problem. That Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 is due to expire as of January 1st, 2026. At that time, if Congress does not renew the legislation associated with Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, individual tax rates are going to revert to what they were prior to passage. That means 2017 tax rates, inflation adjusted, tax rates are going to go back up. So if someone is going to be doing a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA conversion to a Roth IRA, now is a good time to do it before these tax cuts expire. So we have a little over two years, two years to consider doing these Roth these conversions. And ideally, it'll be spread over the last the next couple of years in order to so that you don't want to cut you don't want to convert so much in any one year to push you into a higher tax rate. So in the column that I wrote, I suggest that individuals who are interested in doing these conversions look at their income, their taxable income so far this year, and figure out what marginal tax bracket they're in, especially federal. They may have to talk with their tax advisors to do this, but it's worth it, to see how much more taxable income they can afford if they, 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 that they're going to they're going to have between now and the end and the end of, of this year, so that they're not going to be pushed into a higher tax bracket, and that will determine how much of a traditional IRA that you, you can afford to, uh, in my opinion, afford to uh, convert, so as not to be pushed into a higher tax bracket. Gotcha. And do the same gotcha. thing in 2025, 24, and twenty five, because in my opinion, sure. these, this is a golden opportunity, a golden opportunity to uh, do these conversions during these, these, these couple of years. Now, please, individuals who are interested in conversions, like I said a few moments ago, work with a qualified advisor. Don't do this on your own because you could end up really owing more taxes than it's worth. Also, you got to consider what's going to happen in retirement. Maybe you will, in fact, be in a lower overall marginal tax bracket. Entirely. It's possible. It's possible. So that maybe these conversions are not worth it. Also, I was mentioning about Medicare Part B. Medicare Part B. Eventually, you're going to be enrolled in Medicare Part B. And we we talked about the fact that traditional IRAs are slightly the RMDs. Those RMDs are going to be included in income. It could push you into higher possible into a higher marginal tax bracket. Also, could could result in you're paying more for Medicare Part B because Medicare what you pay for Medicare Part B depends also on your adjusted gross income. And the folks that in Medicare, they put the, the, what you pay for Medicare Part B, they tell you is based on your income. They have income that's called tiers. The higher income tier, the way you got to pay for Medicare Part B. So there's a lot sure. of planning for there. So these three things Absolutely. have deadlines of December 31st. We're talking about the RMD, taking your R&D, QCDs, and Roth conversions. So we have about two Absolutely. months to, get, to make sure that we're doing you know, things that will in the, in the yep. future will will help us absolutely as always ed your uh, your articles are on point and timely 
So uh, again, thank you for what you're doing, you know, every day for our friends of the federal community and how you help us raise up the uh, level of our knowledge within the firm. Uh, Folks, that is a wrap. We will see you at our next podcast. Hit that subscribe button if you're new. So then you won't miss a thing with Ed and I. Don't forget about our sister podcast, The Fed 15. Okay, Lemurry and I do that every single week, shorter format, some of the stuff that you might have missed but need to know. We are serving those to serve. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on our YouTube channel, as well as Spotify. Remember to share it with your friends and even some strangers. Do not forget our live webinars every single week. Just go to swserve.com. You'll see the webinar button. Click it. It'll take you to the menu. We've got a slew of them. We're doing seven or eight every single month where the guru will come to you. Reach you where you are, teach you where you are, serve you where you are. Share that with your friends. They will thank you. And don't forget to read Ed every single week in the Fed Zone. That's fed-zone.com. And don't forget to sign up for our weekly serving. The best of Ed and the other Fed stars will be sent straight to you. So for Ed, the crew at Serving News Serve, and me, Dan Seip, I will sign off as I always do by saying, good luck, Godspeed, and above all, remember, it's your Fed life. Make it a great one because you deserve it. Stay well, everybody. We are out. 